This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. We just found out who the drummer was. We asked Siri about the lineup of the MGs and she, she got it right. Yeah, I didn't think she was going to be able to cope with that. Uh, how are you coping, ladies and gentlemen? He's... Sunday, Arvo, and we're so glad that you uh, took a little bit of time to join us, whether you're in the car, whether you're still in bed, whether you're sort of uh, you know, heading out for lunch or whatever you're doing. I'm going to be still in bed, you're kind of winning. <laughs> Hopefully it's for good reason. Hopefully you're not Hashtag winning down with the lurgy or anything. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, because it is a Sunday, and uh, we have to first of all thank very, very much the scientists yes. beforehand. Yes. Their eruditions. Yes. And uh, their doctors and their prescriptions. Yeah. <laughs> and and before that, and we have the talk and tackle. And yes. <laughs> tackle talk. But it's the afternoon now, and we're here to talk food. And we moved, to, we moved to the gut. Yes. <laughs> From the so we're all things gustatory um, at the moment. And, yeah. uh, wow, what a show we've got. Oh, we've got some exciting things. Um, first of all, yes. the idea of having a cocktail, having another cocktail, yep. and not falling over. Yep. Good thing. Yes. Um, and, in fact, I'm referring to a book. Um, that has been produced by those maestros from Madeni, um, Sean Byrne and Nick Tazar. Mm. All day cocktails, low and no alcohol magic, and it's um, it's it's a book whose time has come, I think. And I yes. think it's just a a great idea because cocktails are awesome. Yeah, except. And they're at their very best when you can't really taste the alcohol. That's exactly right. And then you have a couple of them, and it's pretty hard to have a few more. That's what Michael Madrison says. Once you've spilt the cocktail, you have to serve it quickly because the cocktail waits for no man. It's at its best. It's at its bliss point just as it's been built. Oh, yeah. And so then you tend to drink it pretty quick. Yeah. And then you might order another one. (laughs) And if you do that in the middle of the afternoon, you'll be asleep before sundown. And then then there's the espresso martini. Anyway, so we're going to find out um, about all these different ingredients we can um, use. Yes. Including these things with nuts and citrus fruits and yeah, all manner of stuff. So yes. looking forward to that. And uh, also uh, Sean's brought in the amaretto that uh, they've produced, mm-hmm. which we're looking forward to having mm-hmm. a, a bit of a chat. Um, Nikki Rima from Bolotta in Bank Street, South Melbourne, one of... One of my favourite chefs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've I've just got to say, someone who has so much heart and soul. Yes. And uh, technique as well. And, I don't know, food that is just like a big warm hug. Yep, agreed. And Belot is such a great space for that cuisine. So it's pretty cash sort of dining vibe off uh, mm. the Prince Wine store there. And she's been doing some amazing things matching... Food and wine, like more than most chefs do, because she happens to be next to a very, very important wine shop. <laughs> Massive wine shop, yes. And they have, I still haven't been invited to one, I must say, <laughs> uh, but these incredible dinners where, I don't know, do vertical tastings of Petrus and, yeah. you know, just crazy, crazy. Do you know my little top secret, one of my top secret Melbourne tips, um, and this is nothing to do with Nikki or Bologna. And you're just going to tell us what? I am. Yeah, we Prince Wine noticed. Store, every Saturday they do wine tastings. Oh, I know what you're going just with for, Just for a couple <laughs> of hours, so you can pop down there and you can taste a lot of stuff you wouldn't normally... Um, Get your lips on. And they invite you in with the hope of um, getting you to taste a whole bunch of stuff so you might buy things. That's exactly right. But you say, 
Well, Maybe. It's down to you. Yeah. Or you could just pop next door for a bite to eat at Bellotto. Okay. Hmm. Uh, that sounds good. And we're going to be starting off the show with um, Simon Blanchard from the Commune Group. Um, yes. So that's uh, places like uh, Tokyo Tina, yep. Hanoi Hana, yep. the Neptune Group, some pretty amazing things. There's a very, very interesting thing that's happening in a space mm. underneath Fed Square. Do you know that there's a big space underneath Fed Square? Not the new one they're making for the train line. You're thinking like an existing space. Don't know. Mm. But there's something happening under Fed Square. Because underneath Fed Square is uh-huh. the railway lines when yes. you really when you think about it because <laughs> Fed Square has been built over the top of... Used to be a train station actually back in the day. Uh, Flinders Bridge Station or something Flinders like that. Flinders Bridge. Something like that. When was that? Uh, before my time. Yeah, right. But I've read my history books, Cam. Oh, I have to check that out. Okay, I've got a little <laughs> bit of a homework. But uh, apparently there is an event. Yes. Uh, that is called Sensory Underground. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say it like that. But it's an immersive dining experience by Tokyo Tina. And um, it's going to be happening from, when is it, the 31st of July. Anyway, we'll talk to Simon. He'll tell us all about that and why we should be excited about it. And yep. it all sounds really, really good. Matt Stedman. Cameron. You had a uh, epiphany. I had a, a lear- garbage bag epiphany. I had a learning this week. You know how... I had a learning. And you can file... Did you say you had a learning? I had a learning this week. Were you whittling? You know, uh, none of us... Well, probably not today. You We're and on I, the porch. You and I aren't going to change the world, Cam. But there are little differences you can make. I oh, know. Sorry to bring you down. I was just <laughs> shattering news. But there are... Just, just by making a few different decisions, you can do your little bit. And I learnt this week... Mm. And this is, I know this is very boring, mm. but, uh, and we always encourage our listeners <coughs> to not shop under the fluorescent lights, if possible. Well, but, as much as possible for, yeah. But there are some things you we, need. You right? have to go there. I mean, you've got to get laundry detergent from toothpaste. somewhere. Toothpaste. And you've also got to get your garbage bags from somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's no door to door garbage bag sellers. No, and there's no sort of artisan sort of <laughs> cloth woven garbage bags from Coburg that I'm aware of. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe there are. Anyway, no. uh, so what I learned this week was the difference between degradable garbage bags mm-hmm. and biodegradable garbage bags. Degradable and biodegradable. Now, biodegradable, uh, I probably first, we heard mm-hmm. about that with um, uh, detergents. Yes. Um, that would were biodegradable and therefore you should buy them. Yes. That was sort of... And basically the same rule applies. But this is almost like a little... You know, the, we used to talk a few years ago about the weasel words about when you bought your eggs, there was free-range eggs and there's free-to-roam eggs. <laughs> so we all know because we're smart <laughs> well, listeners. But they point out there. <laughs> there you go. You could go out there if you want. But we yeah. know uh, the free-range are the ones you want because that's the one that's legislated and actually has the minimum... Uh, standards uh, yeah, and, and is, all that sort of good is stuff. actually written in, yes. So simil- codified, codified. Si- similarly with garbage bags, yeah. degradable bags, they do indeed degrade. What, in a millennium? Well, no, they're pretty quick now, but what they do is yeah. they just degrade into smaller pieces of plastic. So they do oh. disappear over time, yeah. but they remain as microplastics and they can get into the water table and all sorts of stuff. Well, that's stuff. no good. So uh, next time you're shopping for uh, garbage bags, my top tip, make sure you look for biodegradable ones. And what does that mean? Means they are actually uh, they're actually compostable. Most of them, so they do res- uh, revert back to something. They, a they, lot they don't go into microplastics, which 
um, get into turtle stomachs, for instance. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So if, you know, in terms of the 1% as you can do, and it takes just a little bit of research in your supermarket shelf, mm. reach for the <laughs> biodegradable. Research meaning just read a couple of labels. Well, yeah. they, they tend to hide them down the bottom as they do. Oh, do they? Yeah. And they um, uh, much more expensive? A little bit more expensive, okay. which is a consideration too. But when you think about it, the cost of a garbage bag per unit is pretty, it's a pretty low starting point, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right, I had a bit of an experience mm. uh, for the segment that we call What's, What's That, that in, in Your Mouth? mouth? You very nice. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, uh, it was the agony and the ecstasy. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, it was. Um, what happened? Well, okay. Well, should I start with the agony? Yeah. Okay. So um, I was doing some research on some lamb dishes a while ago, mm. and there was a great recipe from uh, Adam Liao. Yes. Mongolian lamb, Ooh. which is sort of a staple of Chinese food restaurants for many, many years. Mm. And it's sort of an interesting technique where this lamb has this interesting texture. And the texture comes about by uh, making a, a slurry, which means sort of like a you know a wet sort yep. of thing of bicarbonate of soda mm-hmm. and a little bit of cold water. Mm. And if you soak meat in there, marinate meat for about half an hour, mm. um, it affects it. it. It affects the texture and so it like tenderizes. It's tenderizing, it's a, yeah. It's a tenderizing effect. Trouble is, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, the idea, okay, I should probably say, the, the, the recipe was um, you get that, then you rinse it off, you pat the meat dry, you fry those uh, meat off in batches until they're brown, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have spring onions, little mm-hmm. bits about five centimetres long, mm-hmm. lovely, love spring onion, mm-hmm. um, and you sort of fry that also with some sliced green capsicum, mm-hmm. you add the meat back, and then you have the liquid ears, uh, you have ginger, uh, hoisin sauce, oyster sauce, Shousing uh, wine with yes. a little bit of caster sugar and what have I forgotten? Soy sauce, a little bit of soy sauce. How good is Shousing, by the way? Shousing, fantastic. Push into any old stir fry. Yes. Should be in 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 the back of the thing. Mm. Trouble was, what happened? Can sounds oh, so simple. No, no. I didn't wash this meat enough. I, <laughs> it said, look, do it twice, and I did it three times to be, you know, on the safe side. Because when you mentioned, I thought, well, you, you sort of, yeah, you're almost. Almost dipping your meat into chemicals. I mean, it's bicarb, so it's not anything... Alkaline. Yeah. It's soapy, alkaline taste, which isn't pleasant no. if it's still there. So I went to all the trouble of doing this dish, and I, I still all I could taste was... Uh, and it's this long, long flavour that doesn't go away. Wasn't very nice. <laughs> Kitchen disappointment. Kitchen... Yeah, that sounds bloody awful. Disappointment. The, the thing that was great was that... Um, you know, we sort of do food as meditation or food that reminds us of previous times mm. or... Let's face it, reminds us, this this dish reminds me of my mum who used to make oh. it, a chili con carne. Mm. And it's funny how just the notion, and this is what we talk about on the show, is the mm. fact that cooking can be highly medita- meditative mm. and it also evocative and relaxing and all these great things. And it worked. I mean, there I was after the, the bitter tears of the <laughs> Mongolian lamb. Uh, I made this... Um, this chili con carne. It was just sort of um, walking in the footsteps of my youth, you could ah. say, by by doing this. And as these smells are yeah. coming, they reminded me, you know, when you hit the chili powder, which is yep. quite specific, you know, cumin with oregano and cayenne, mm-hmm. 
but it was also evolution too because we've grown up a little bit more since those days. So um, there was smoked paprika mm-hmm. that went into the chili con carne um, and instead of just chili powder, chipotle. Oh, nice, yes. And it just rounded it off and black beans as well, mm-hmm. which was a little bit different. So it's the funny thing, even though it reminds us about a past, food is always changing and recipes sort of change are you going to try the lamb again? I'm tempted because we always say I got, have to. You got to cook something three times before you it, before I you don't call know, it. It's kind of just not fun though. To, uh, to first of all, washing meat and water is a bit yeah, bleh, yeah. you know, in a way, and having to do it like about three times. Yeah, look, I'll I'll have another go and see if I can get it right. But anyway, we live, we learn, mm. we cook, and in a way, cooking heals us. I think. Should we talk to Simon about that? I think we should. We'll have some uh, sponsorship ads first, but then uh, we'll be back with Simon after this. Brilliant. You're listening to 3 Triple RFM. Edith is the name of the show. Hello, my name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have... I'm Matt Stebbin. How are you? I am most well and mm. very, very happy to be here and glad that all you people have come to join us. And it is my great delight to invite onto the show with the uh, the glorious joy of the electronic device that we call the telephone, um, Simon Blanchard, the Commune Group Director from Tokyo Tina, as well as uh, a stable of other places. A very, very good afternoon to you, Simon. Afternoon to you as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you for, for joining us. First of all, it is, it's quite a stable of places you guys have. Yeah, we've, um, we have Hanoi Hanna, um, so there's three Hanoi Hannas and um, Teco Tina. We've also got Neptune, um, which is a Mediterranean wine bar in, in Windsor as well. So I've heard um, a lot about that place. Yeah, yeah, so it's um, that's been around. Neptune's been around for a couple of years now and mm-hmm. um, just really kind of that neighbourhood wine bar, but on a larger scale, so to speak. It's, not, it's, a, it's, a, little bit, it's a bit larger than the... And the really small ones, but um, you know, it's a bottle shop with a function space with a great kitchen, and um, yeah, it's going well. Good so, point. you guys have got runs on the board for uh, uh, being innovators with food and things like that. I'm just kind of curious as to how did the people at Fed Square get in touch with you uh, for this event that we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so the event's being put together by Nick Ennis from Loose Collective, um, so he's curating the event. Um, on behalf of Fed Square. So he reached out to us um, with the concept of, you know, putting a menu together that was kind of um, the future of dining or we think people should and will be eating in the next 20, 25 years. And this, um, this is called the Sensory Underground, isn't it? Sensory Underground, that's that's correct. Yep. So it's, um, it's, it's technically underneath Federation Square, but um, you enter via Flinders Street Station. So it's... Um, wow. Yeah, you you go to Platform 13, which I believe is the Sandringham line, and you go through this, you know, I don't want to get too much away, but it's kind of made Harry Potter meets Blade Runner, so it's uh, a little little adventure. Uh, Oh, oh, that's a nice little juxtaposition. (laughs) I come in on the Sandringham train. Yes, it's sort of, it's like this, uh, um, it's like the the platform that they forgot about almost, you know. That's right. Because it's not part um, of the, the main group. Actually... It's the platform they had to use once the Arbery at the other platform. There you go. There yeah, you go. it is. So, um, so there is a space underneath Fed Square which I wasn't aware of. Is it? Uh, can, yeah. you, can you give some sort of a description of this space? Like, a yeah. Big... So, yeah. So it's, um, it's uh, I guess I wouldn't call it a chamber, but it's kind of this concrete industrial 
space that um, it's on multiple levels and there's a lift that like cuts cuts to the back of it as well. So wow. the whole concept of this this event is basically it's it's a sensory event. So the combination of projections, um, aroma saunas, so you'll be, to, you'll be smelling what you're tasting and tasting what you're smelling, so to speak. Wow. And um, it's dinner and a show, but um, kind of on steroids, I suppose. <laughs> hey, you, you're pretty evocative. I like this, you know, from Harry Potter meets Blade Runner to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, just reading, I'm just reading up a press release, so... Oh, uh, well, I don't know, whoever's <laughs> written those words has been been pretty good. So um, so you've been faced with the challenge of um, having a think, and here's your creative that you had to come up with, was yeah. the food that we're going to be having in the next 25 years. And yeah. I'm just wondering That's if you right. might be able to sort of give us a little bit of some of yeah. your thoughts and maybe the group's brainstorming that came up when you sort of went, all right, what are we going to do? Yeah, so we um, we chose to look at it through an optimistic lens rather than a, rather than a pessimistic one because I think, um, you know... You know, the, the glass the is half full rather than, than empty and radioactive? Yes, okay. That's correct, yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, we've gone through some alternate protein sources, Um so we might be experimenting with some insects. Um, we, we're, you know, we're big believers in, in using the entire animal. Um, so we're kind of expressing that through through a fish dish, where we're kind of using everything from the from the eyeballs to the livers to the to the roe. So we're mm-hmm. using the good the good bits that we always eat, and we're always you know people love a nice clean piece of sashimi, and that's great. Yep. Um, but you know, I think there's, the skin's delicious, the belly's delicious, and we need to start. Um, we need to start eating that way, and then um, we're champing vegetables as well, obviously, because you know, as as you know, the, the world's resources of meat get smaller and smaller and smaller. We got to start eating a lot more veg. So yes. we're using as little energy as we can. We're c- trying to avoid using too much cleaning products and things like that. So, th- so the whole the whole concept um, is an optimistic, yeah, thought provoking way of how we think we should and could be eating. Um, mm. Yeah, in the next couple of decades. Wow. Okay. Obviously done with some Japanese food, so it's super tasty. <laughs> yeah, and and so as you say, it's going to be um, a multi-sensory approach to eating, which sounds right. extraordinary. I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see how you manufacture all the scents. Um, yeah. So scents, uh, projections. This incredible um, space, which most Melburnians have never seen, I wasn't even aware of, to be quite honest with you. Uh, when does yeah, it start? I was, there, um, I was there the other day, and it's, it's come up really well. It's um, yeah, I think people, I think people will be will be surprised that um, that you know, hidden within the train station, that um, this, that Melbourne and Fed Square are getting behind uh, such a cool event. And there, and, and here's the thing: it sounds like it's so uber cool. There might not be many spaces available. Um, can the general public go along to this? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Tickets are tickets are on sale via oh, cool. Fedsquare's website. Huh. Um, I believe the first. Well, I might be wrong, and I want to say anything that's incorrect. But I think the first couple of weeks are sold out, but um, there could be a third on the way. So I oh, think good. there's definitely tickets available, and um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely you know open to the general public. So, and it's starting and then, from the 31st of July, and then going through uh, August. Yeah, correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have I got here? Dining experiences running from Wednesday to Sunday evenings for two weeks. Hopefully we'll get a third. And tickets go on sale to the general public on, well, they're on sale now, which is um, a great thing. And if they want to get information, can they, uh, I would imagine, Fed Square. And did you say that you've got a link through your group? 
Uh, all the tickets are going through Fed Square. So okay, just go there. Just jump onto their website and, uh, yeah, get tickets through that. God, it sounds fantastic. Well, look, congratulations for um, this rather wonderful collaboration. Yeah, we're super excited. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I might see if I can get myself down there as well. Are you interested in that too, Matt? It sounds good. Yeah, it does. It sounds awesome. Sounds really yeah, good. Yeah, great to see you guys down there. Um, Simon, congratulations. Um, sounds great. We look forward to hearing more about it. Fantastic. But, but well done. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks, mate. You too. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for having a chat. Really, we do appreciate it. Right. Take it easy. Simon Blanchard from the Commune Group. Uh, big group. Hanoi Hannah. Neptune Group. I didn't know there were three Hanoi Hannahs now. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. They just, keep, you just leave them alone <laughs> and boom. <laughs> keep on going. No, rabbits. <laughs> no, rabbits. Uh, it's, uh, it is Sunday afternoon, and uh, the great thing is that uh, we've got someone who's going to inspire you, mm. well, hopefully, uh, to do some good cooking. We're going to pick Nikki Rima's brains as to what does winter mean when mm. it comes to food? But before that, Cam, maybe some music. Great idea. Here we go. I'm all for it. Triple R's the station you're listening to from glorious East Brunswick. Coming to you, and we're so glad that you could join us. Hi, my name's Cam Smith. Across from your hand. Hi, Matt. Hello. And across from us, very, very excited to see Nikki Rima. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm sent through messages. We we messaged each other during the week saying, can you come on the show? Yeah, I can come on the show. And I said to you, um, what do we eat in winter? What's that all about? And I think you had one word answer for me. Fat. Fat. (laughs) We eat fat. See you tomorrow. We eat fat. Done. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. Yes. Bang. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it is. It's it's that time of year when we do we eat richer food. Yeah. We, yeah. We're able to sort of, you know. We're not scared of it. And we can metabolise okay. And we don't mind metabolising under a woolly jacket, you know. Yeah. I love this time of year. It's, mm. We've gone over the hump. Everyone starts winter freaking out. Yep. Can't go out. It's wet. I don't have an umbrella. My shoes aren't waterproof. Yeah. Hey, then, is that a bottle of Shiraz over there? That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. And then they go, no, 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 I need food. Mm. And then they say, mm, I want unctuous, you know, creamy, fatty, olive oily, all those. I want that in my food and I'm not yes. afraid of it. I'm going to enjoy it. And it's I cool. love it. I love this time of cooking. Mm. The amount, I shouldn't say this, but all of a sudden our butter, cream, olive oil, pork belly, all of those things go up in use. Oh, do you, know, do you notice that? <laughs> I too? notice it, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just with doing the ordering every week, you sort of go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just different. It's, it's a little bit more, you know. This is good. You know, I love it. Mm. I can put braised pork belly and cannellini beans mm. and people just go, yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Without, you know, I don't even have to be fancy with words. Yes. Pork and beans. They're going to eat it. They're going to do it. I love it. They are going to do it. And... Um, yeah, this is this is the time where we can just sort of well, don't feel so guilty about it, and it, yeah. it just been and rather than it becomes a bit of a, a climactic necessity, seasonal necessity. It is, it is, and I think cooking wise. You know, you still have to care about it. It's one thing that summer cooking and spring cooking, you know, it's very simple with gorgeous produce. You know, you've got beautiful tomatoes out, you know, mm. all of those crisp, fresh 
cook them quickly ingredients. Yes. But in wintertime, you do find that you can embrace the secondary cut. Yes. You know, you can embrace the slow cooking item. But you do you have to look after it still. You can't just, I'm just going to throw all that in a pot and, you know. And walk gonna, away. I'm going to have this great ingredient come yes. out, you know, bang. But you still need to sort of, I feel like, Look after the temperatures that you do things at. You know, don't burn your fats. You know, warm them up and use them in the cooking, but don't do it over mm. the top because mm. you'll end up with smoky, burnt, bitter, bitter flavors that you yeah. don't necessarily want. Mm. And that's what I'm really. It's like know, when you do the garlic that you've got to watch out for the garlic when you put that in because as soon as that catches, it's a completely different flavor profile. It just yeah. it'll go right through that dish and it yep. will change it completely. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I'm loving to do at the moment, even though this is a cold dish, mm. is you know you've got your classic vitello tonato. I love doing like a porchetta tonato. So what we do is we make we get whole heads of garlic, wrap them up with lots of extra virgin olive oil and salt. Cut the little tops off, not mm. the, where the root is, but the top part. Yeah. Bake them in an oven for about an hour at 180 degrees and then it becomes mush like garlic buttery mush love that squeeze that all out and it's that gorgeous golden color mix that with lots of fennel toasted ground roast fennel seeds smear that all inside a pork loin and belly so it's a big flat piece yes roll that up Mm. roast that so like you're doing a roast porchetta Mm. but then take all that gorgeous crispy skin off Keep that separate. Then I chill down the actual cooked pork loin and belly meat mm-hmm. and then thinly slice that as though I'm doing like a vitello, a, you know, a paper-thin sliced pork, but it's got that gorgeous fennelly, garlicky flavour to it. Mm-hmm. Cover that with a tuna mayonnaise mm-hmm. that we confit the tuna first and we make a gorgeous mayonnaise with that, all those kind of ingredients. Can, can you do a cheat to one of those, like the vitello tonanto? Mm-hmm. Can you can you just do like a tin of serena and make a mayonnaise from that? You definitely can. It's not quite the same though. I feel it's not quite the same, but if, okay. if I'm at home, I'll often do it that okay, way. Okay, so, so anyway, but tuna I like may- mayonnaise. I love tuna mayonnaise, but it's on the pork instead of a veal. Mm. And I'm really finding that everyone's just loving that flavour as opposed to y- y- your classic veal flavour. And are there but little the tricky capers garnish, every... little capers, okay. the porky crispy skin the is the garnish. The porky crispy skin. It's like porky crunchy bits. Yeah. With the tuna mayonnaise. And it's just, you know, it's been one of our most popular dishes, even though it's not a hot, brazy dish, but it's mm. that thing of I'm going to get cold roast pork and I'm going to get the porky skinny skin crispy bits, you know, yeah. like I'm going to get all of that. Well, i got to say, the, the basis you, you're doing there, and sorry about that, vegetarians, but... Yes. Vitello, but no, you, you know, you're gonna, we acknowledge you. you know. Yes. Uh, but Vitello Tonato is one of the greatest dishes ever conceived. It certainly is. I mean, whoever came up with this idea of a poached that, veal, Girolo, uh, mm. uh, uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Girolo, yeah. Um, and then sliced and then put on this cold tuna mayonnaise. I mean, it is, it's, <laughs> I it's quite inspired, well, isn't it? it? It is, definitely. It's got, you know, the best... Things in the world in it, you know, like veal and tuna and eggs, yes. and you know, mm. when you think about it, and olive oil and all of those things. But you know, I just thought I really want to try playing around with it with the pork. Yep. And I'm just finding that everyone's loving that those chunky bits of the crisp skin and that creamy tuna mayonnaise is fantastic. You know, so that's one of the things. But I guess <sighs> sounds kind of, it, and it's kind of crazy that there you go. You came out with a, a cold winter dish, but yeah. is there are there dishes that you you dust off once a year that you go, it's July. <laughs> it's time for... Uh. Well, it's funny you should say that because, yes, definitely with steaks. What's it time for? 
Um, shallots cooked down in red wine and caramelized sugar and butter. Mm. Everyone just loves it. It's almost like a cheats sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry about your jus. Don't worry about veal bones and roasting and all of that. All you're going to do is peel the shallots. That's the only thing that's, that's a right. bit of a hassle. That's exactly. Yep. And then I caramelize sugar. Yes. Add the shallots and butter. So it's this golden brown buttery shallotty mess. And then Throw in a bottle of red wine, depending on the amount of shallot you're doing, in a nice big Le Creuset pan, mm. and then just cook that down nice and slow for about an hour or two. Yes. And you end up with this saucy, deep red sh- – it's a shallot sauce. Unctuous. Yes, my favourite yes. word in the world. Yes. And, but people just go, oh, my God, you've made this amazing sauce for a steak. And it's like, mm, I'm not going to tell you how easy it is. But I have now. <laughs> but, you know, like it's literally just – Don't tell anyone else. Yes. Yeah, so, but And then the, the bits I love to add to it, though – Bacon, Kaiser mm. Fleisch. You know, I'll do big bacon lard and saute them off and add that to the shallots and red wine, and you get in another layer. And just people love it. Mm. I just, if I did that in January in Australia, you know, it'd be like, I'm not touching. No, what are you talking about? Sauce. You're crazy. Can I give you another example of that? Um, and you've just confirmed it with me. With just the addition of lardons, I think is what, yes. a great word, which is just these beautiful bacon bits with the best bacon you can get. Yep. Three words. <laughs> Coke. Oh. Vin. One of the best things in the world again. Yes, and it was, again, one of those great things. wasn't quite so much um, imagined, out of, came out of this incredible imagination. It came from a problem as to when the rooster fell over. What the heck are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? We can't <laughs> roast it because it just tastes it's gonna be terrible. terrible. Yes. But being the French, they thought about it for a long time and they thought if we soak it in wine. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be great. Do you cook cocoa vin? I love made, it. When's the I last do. time you made a good cocoa vin? Oh, not that long ago. We often do it. We do a lot of wine dinners. I've spoken about them before at Bellotta. We talked about it before too. And yeah. that's one of the classic little things I like to do. We'll often do it though, not with the rooster. I'll be honest. We do no. It, even with I've never little, done it with a rooster. No. no. I don't know if a it tastes. A boiling hen. I've done yes, it with boiling hen. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But even with a nice little baby chook. Just mm. break down that little chicken yes, and do it in the same technique, you know, but brown off, give some lovely caramelization to your pieces of the bird mm. and then, you know, shallots and the bacon lardens and the wine and I you know, I add some whole Swiss brown mushrooms as well, all of those things. So I, I really sort of pack as much as I can into it, but it's just that mm. slow method of cooking and reducing down. It just adds another level to the chicken for starters. Yes. But the larden, you need the bacon in there. Yes. It has to be just that bit well, of fat well, to it. And that salty salty smoke. Yes. It's yes. the salty smoke that makes it, otherwise it's sort of near whiny sort of chicken. And it's the one thing that people want to learn how to cook. I do some cooking classes and often mm. people go, how do I do cocovan and how do I do braising? How do I do this? How do I not? And I always go, What's your answer when you say, how do I braise? Well, I want to say it's the simplest thing in the world, but I do say... They're paying good money. There's three, there's, <laughs> but there's some things that people forget. Yeah. You, know? you need to caramelise your vegetables. You need to give them some colour. Yes. You need to... Skim. Yes. You, and you also need to you know, caramelise the meat first. The mallard reaction yes. needs to do its thing. You know, So you, whether it's beef or it's chicken or it's pork, or, you need to brown those meats off in a pan. First, mm. and you need to think about what liquid you're going to use. Are you using wine or are you using stock? You know, so there's things that it seems really simple, but people often say, "Can I just put them in? And why do I have to 
seal it in the pan. Why do I have to brown it? So, well, then it's just stew. Yeah, no, it's mm. then 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 there will be nothing but frowns around the table yeah. rather than joy and exactly. everybody wants to kiss the chef. Yeah, and people that's the thing people say to me about I do a lot of ragouts for pasta sauces, you know, like lamb ragouts and pork mm. ragouts. And I go, my God, mine never tastes like this. And I often say, well, what do you do? Oh, you know, I chop up the lamb, I put it in the pot, and I'm like, Mm, you didn't brown it first. You didn't sauté it Dude. first. You need some, you know, you've got it. And I sauté in butter. I'd be a bit naughty. Yes. Like, I like to get that extra browning butter flavour through the meat because I just think it adds another layer again. Is that again. butter with oil to... I do half and half, yes. So, therefore, yeah. you're able to have the butter without it burning well. Those... Too quick, exactly. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. that's that's a very, very good tip yeah. for people. And also you'll find that uh, with a lot of restaurants and things like that, the salt levels are a little bit lifted up somewhat. We are. We do. You know, and that's mm. the other thing that always I think people – we season the meat before we sauté, but we also season the vegetables when we're caramelising them because that will also act to you know draw out moisture and all of those good things. You know? mm. so people Does have salt to mean- sometimes inhibit browning? I, I do it. I do it halfway. Yeah, okay. yeah, I sort of do it with uh, certainly with my vegetables. You know, like yes. I'll, I'll start the sautéing process and then mm. I'll just add some salt, and I just find it'll it just intensifies the flavour. Don't yes. do it at the start because yeah. it, it can sort of slow the process down. Don't don't ask me the technicalities with that, but I just have noticed that after years. Of- All right, so we've we've got a, a cold dish. We've got a classic um, dish, and just one more in. Um, in we've got a, oh, a couple more minutes just to yeah. talk. What's another one of your sort of favourite things well, to be doing this time of year? A dessert. A oh. clafouti. I am loving it. I love – that's probably my most favourite dessert in the whole wide world. What do you put in your clafouti? Well, at the moment we're doing – plums. We, well, no, we're actually doing apple. I'm actually doing – Apple clafouti? Yeah. Get out of here. Yep. We actually what is use, a clafouti? Because I always thought a clafouti sounds a little bit rude, and especially it's also <laughs> called a clafoutis, yeah. which is like – Ooh. I know, I know, I love Ooh, matron. <laughs> yes, um, so it, it's it's a it's basically a batter that you sort of pour over yeah, like a over. flan, a battered. You know, people call it a battered flan. I Not guess a battered sav. You don't. Have no, to. no, that's another thing altogether. I don't mind them either. God, God love okay. Them. Anyway, like, yeah. but I'm salivating at the thought of um, deep fried sausage and cake at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've, you've got main course and dessert, so the, the whole meal All is covered. done. <laughs> but um, I love. I use almond meal in my batter for clafouti. And I toast the almond meal first. Mm. But it's the simplest dessert in the world. Is almond it? meal, eggs, a little bit of cream, a uh, tiny little bit of self-raising flour there just to sort of give it the Give puff. it a pour with, the, with those eggs. Yeah. And, Help and the then, eggs along. Exactly. Little And uh, then you could do any fruit. Like traditionally it's cherries because that's the one that's that the when classic. you're thirsting and then yep. you're dusted with lots of icing lots sugar of icing at the sugar. end. But I find I get a good Granny Smith apple. Yes. And cut it into wedges, sauté those apple pieces with lots of sugar and butter. So it's almost like caramelised. Any spice? Any, sorry? Spice. No, 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 no just, just butter apples. and sugar and what apple. What sort of apples? Granny Smith. Okay. Nice. So okay. they're really super tart yes. before I'm putting them in. Mm. So that bit of sugar and butter just takes the edge off, but mm. not too much. And then cool them down and then add the batter to my little flam and bake it 12 minutes and you're done. Jeez. And it's just the simplest, but it's just that appley, warm, you know, that gorgeous, soft. It's got the crust slightly on it with the clafouti, and you break in. It's just like a, a warm sponge. And a little bit of cream. I always like whipped creme fraiche. Whip, whipped cream fraiche? Well, I get the creme fraiche and I add some cream and then whip it. Wow. Half half? So, yeah. 
Yeah, pretty much half half. Sometimes a little bit more on the cream, but it just is lightly sour there. It's just a that little yeah, note. Just lightly sour. I love it. It's probably the best best dessert. Nikki Rima, that's fantastic. Um Thank you for that. Pleasure. Um, you've given us a reason to carry on in winter. Good. Uh, eat more fat. Eat it's going to be fat okay. And vegetarians. You'll be okay too. There's the apple clafuti, <laughs> uh, which, which sounds great. Thank you very, very much for coming in. It's always a pleasure. And, of course, uh, Bellotta is whereabouts? Oh, you got me there. 177 Bank Street, South Melbourne. (laughs) Next to the Prince Wine Store. That's always the easiest. And... uh, Notice we didn't talk about the great wine dinners that you're doing because you just make us jealous. Sorry. No, not at all. (laughs) Nikki Rima, thank you again for coming in. Pleasure. See you soon. You're listening to The Trip. It's a Sunday Mm. and all is good. And uh, I'm delighted to bring back to the microphones of 3RRR, Sean Byrne. How are you? G'day, g'day, g'day. Well, it's uh, lovely to be here again. I think it's my third time here with you guys. Oh. Must be, yeah. I'm a, I'm a regular now. You are a regular. Yeah, I get a um, seat with a name on it and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, own, your own beer mug. That's yes. right. Yeah. Oh, what have I done? No, I thought I'd knocked off the microphone. The microphone. No, I, I tend to do that every now and then. Um, let's see. Maiden Eyes going from strength to strength. We've brought... Yep. Uh, the flavours of Australia in a bottle of, with right. vermouth. Yes, did you see how recent uh, we won a Golden Dog Award, Cam, over in... Uh, Get over a dog in, in you. Yeah, that's right. Gilles just went over to France and uh, collected. We won Best Aperitif in Show, but then Best Most Innovative Spirit uh, in the whole category for the whole show, which... Uh, These are French awards? Yeah. I know, and we actually got a Golden Dog statue, which I think is the most hilarious thing out of all of us. Le Ch- <laughs> what is it? Le Chien d'Or or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, if you have a look on our, um, on the Instagram, in it's, uh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Everything sounds better in French. <laughs> Mon Dieu, the Golden Dog. The Golden Dog Awards. Oh, congratulations on getting a dog up yet. Thanks, that's right. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> well, and this is amazing that this is no real, this is sincere congratulations. Actually, tilt that microphone so you're facing the front of it and you'll get a better sound. There you go. That's, better. that's much better. Oh, yeah, what do you think? You happy with that, man? Yeah. Yeah, um, but, Backtracking, mm-hmm. congratulations on your, not only is the vermouth lauded within this country, rightly it should be, it is. Um, but now that it's getting worldwide recognition, so that's bloody awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really chuffed to what started out as a bit of an experiment, uh, you know, eight years ago now, and it's a yeah. bit of fun to where it is today, and, you know, we launched the book, which was what we were in here for last time, and... Um, vermouth. Today, that's right. Yes. The book of Vermouth, which got published in Spanish, um, which was quite, uh, we're quite chuffed to receive that in the mail. I yeah. can't read any of it, but uh, wow, it looks, <laughs> it looks <great> good. <laughs> Jeez, you know you've arrived. And now you've got a, a new quiver to the bow with uh, Marionette, uh, the Amaret. Oh. Yeah, so Marionette's a separate company um, yes. to, to Maiden Eye, but um, yeah, we've been slowly making more and more liqueurs. Um, I think we're up to seven now, and uh, we just launched our Amaretto a couple of weeks ago. What is Amaretto? Um, classically, it's a uh, bitter almond liqueur. Yes. Um, modern Amaretto's, most people don't know this, are made with uh, apricot kernels. Yeah. Um, we use... They're not poisonous. So you, you They can, are, yeah. They are. Yeah, we have to get it all tested to make sure it's all above board. Because I remember I made some jams years and years yeah. ago, some apricot jams, and I stuck some... 
Yeah, kernels in there, so I might have been dicing with death a little bit. <laughs> it Do is. you need a lot before you the toxic? Oh, it depends how much alcohol you got in there. That's the funny thing. So it's mm. uh, it's got a it's called a magdalen, which um, converts to cyanide in the body. Yes. Um. So uh, the more okay. alcohol you've got in, in in your product, the the more magdalen you can have in there because alcohol acts as a diuretic and passes through everything through your body. So oh, thank God for that. That's right. Okay. So put uh, put alcohol in your apricot jam next time, Cam. You'll be <laughs> right. And everything anyway. <laughs> to survive that but you've um, again this is um, putting in a little a niche that was only ever seen from overseas producers Amaretto which uh, of course um, an Italian yeah, is Italian. it a dish, Steve? Well, hey, we sort of say uh, liqueur. Yeah, I mean, it's so sweet you probably wouldn't have as an aperitif. Um, but, no. uh, yeah, it's a digestive. I mean, Marionette, our whole concept is working directly with Australian farmers to make cocktail staple liqueurs. So we can identify the farms that we get them from and who they are. And they're generally family-owned businesses have been doing it for generations, um, producing the best quality stuff they can. So... Mm. Um, yeah, we're grand, grand aim, which uh, my business partners uh, keep telling me to shut up and uh, not uh, tell anyone because then we have to do it. It's 20 in the next uh, three years, and we're up to six or seven So, um, in the last couple of years. Best liqueur in Australia the last two years running with our uh, cassis, which you, I'm sure you've had before. Certainly have. Yeah, so... Um, Made me up. almost think I could have a Cur Royale. Stop Seemed it. Like a good idea. Stop, Stop it. it. So, of course, that champagne with a little bit of cassis just... Uh, that's right. Give a little bit of fruit flavour and explosion. But there is a problem in the world in the fact that... Um, <laughs> There's quite a few. <laughs> I know. But I'm, uh, let me just isolate one that is uh, particularly close to my heart mm. in that um, I love daiquiris. Oh, actually, mm. even better. I, I love mint juleps. Do you? Oh, mint Lovely. julep. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and mint juleps at their very, very best are a, um, a, a portent of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, of concealment yeah. uh, in the fact that you will drink these and you go, these are delicious. And the sun might be shining and you're drinking them outside. Well, that's uh, what they do at the Kentucky Derby, which that's I right. haven't been invited to. But just the idea of this is like, wow, these are just delicious. And you and oh, it's gone. I need another one of these. Mm. And thereby it comes the next thing that it's sort of named after, which is falling down water. <laughs> Um, I haven't heard that one, but I do. Uh, <laughs> I can't disagree. That's not what cocktails are yeah. about. I mean, mm. they're delicious, but um, you can only really have a couple of them. Well, yes. Un- so. Unless that's you're true. on a, a real... And be responsible. And be responsible. Mm. You know, use the operate heavy equipment and stuff mm. like that. But you've seen a, um, a niche there and you've come up with... A book. It's that's called right. All Day Cocktails. Yeah, well, I'm holding it up, but there's no camera here, so yeah, um, <laughs> that doesn't work. It's hardcover. Yep. It's got a lovely sort of, um, it's a very modern looking mm-hmm. book. But the idea is low and no alcohol magic, but please don't call them mocktails. No, don't call them mocktails. Stop that. Yeah, call, they're cocktails. They're Matt, mixed drinks. Stop. Yeah, no mocktails. We're not mocking them. They're not, they're not to be laughed at. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're good drinks. They're, they're, they just don't have the alcohol, which is... It was always opinion. an unfortunate name. I was, always thought it? too. Mocktail. Yeah. You're taking the... It's, yeah, yeah, they we'll did. They took up. the right out yeah. of it. <laughs> um, but so... And this idea of um, all-day cocktails came. How did the, was the inspiration for that? Um, I guess uh, after the you know writing the, the book of the Muth and getting on so well with the team and Hardy Grant, uh, we wanted to explore a second option. My business partner with Marionette, Nick Tessa, who I've always respected as a bartender and worked with quite closely, we both had an affinity for you know low alcohol stuff, and we're also quite passionate about the sustainability side of things as well. 
um, which big, is what big this section book, in the book, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and a lot of the things that you know. So there's sustainability in what your providers are getting you and your fruit and veg and meats, etc. But also the sustainability of yourself, which comes down to you know making sure that you're not drinking a huge amount of alcohol and, as you said, uh, falling down um, mm. and all the time. So uh, drinking responsibly, uh, which is becoming more and more important these days. I think. Um, to be sustainable in as many ways as you can. So well, you just have look. If you're going to make something delicious, and there's lots of delicious mm. things in here, which we'll get to, mm. it just means you can have more and more. That's right. Because, like a margarita is one of the most amazing tasting things in the world to me. Mm-hmm. I can see in my peripheral vision, Matt's just <laughs> nodded. Just yeah, like, yes, yes. yes. Margarita. Oh, tequila is good. Yeah, but you, 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 getting back to it, you can't have a lot of them. So this way, you can have. A delicious thing in a glass, mm. which you can enjoy more of. That's right, yeah. That's that's right. And um, that's the approach we've taken with the book. And it's, I guess it's broken down into the raw ingredients, all the different fruits, nuts, herbs, vegetables you use, and then grabbing that fruit and then preparing that or turning that into a liquid equivalent mm. that you can use in drinks. And then generally speaking, a lot of them, they'll last for, you know, a number of months. So you can have stone fruits well into autumn and, um, you know, uh, have... Uh, uh, have your apples in springtime, etc. Because you know, getting things in season is pretty important. Um, you know, refrigeration and uh, transportation are two big carbon killers. You know, that's um, mm-hmm. and if you, we want to avoid that wherever we can. And so we're sort of using as well as uh, alcohol as being something which uh, makes the heart smile a little bit, mm. but we're also looking at alcohol as preservative. Yes, definitely. Which 100%. is which is a good thing. We we're using its powers for good. That's right. <laughs> Instead of evil. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, and also, it should be mentioned. There's a very very good section in the front about setting up a, a bar and the things that you need to have in there. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's uh, very true. All the you know basic. You know, a lot of books out there will go into the details of things you need at home, but sometimes the home isn't equipped with these fancy pieces of equipment. So we've got a bunch of hacks in there as well, you know, which yeah. um, can be used for, you know, how you can deal with uh, a dehydrating if you don't have a dehydrator, for example, yeah, or the how oven. to sterilise. That's I right. That. Yeah. yeah, put it in the oven. But also, yeah. you know, the thing I really dug here was um, there's a little section. It's not that big, but mm-hmm. you can take it and really run with it. Vinegars. Oh, yeah, shrubs are, shrubs are great. So, I was speaking about that last week. With Hugh Griffith, yeah. Yes, yes. I believe you are. Um, so, yeah, vinegars. So what's that all about? You, uh, you So before refrigeration existed, Cam, yes. you had to, you got the glut of the harvest, right. and what do you do with all this extra fruit you've got? You um, watch it rot in front of your eyes exactly, and you weep yeah. tears. Indeed. Which form rivers. But it, no. If you soak it in some vinegar and add a little bit of sugar, you have a you have a shrub. You can add different herbs and spices there to flavour it however you want, and then you've got a cordial that you can drink kind of, you know, almost all year round um, of those flavours. So you're capturing the essence of the season. And you say, what I really like about this is you say to use a neutral vinegar base mm-hmm. such as rice vinegar, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of good. And you said, uh, what do we get? Ratio of uh, 10% spice to vinegar. Gee, that's a lot of spice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you want to concentrate because it's a cordial you're making, remember, because uh, okay. you're still thinning it out over time. Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, okay, so there are a whole bunch of things. We start off with citrus fruits and you go to mm-hmm. berries and there's nuts and all those sort of things, mm-hmm. coconut, which are... Is interesting. Were there any um, uh, cocktails that you made that were you really surprised yourself? Where you went, oh my god, this is really quite a discovery. 
that we we made. Do you know what? There's so many cocktails in there that I could say it's quite, like, pick quite a, a lot of them. Child. When when bring um, out one yeah. of your children. <laughs> we <laughs> want to see him. Yeah. When um when we write cocktails, uh, we mm. look at. Uh, uh, I look at cookbooks to start off with and look at flavour combinations of things that we don't necessarily see working together. Clever. Um, and then use that as a bit of a base and then a jumping off point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of them can be quite shocking from time to time, but then uh, some some of them are bad, but uh, most of them are good. Mm. Any that um, you really, really loved? I believe you hinted at the uh, espresso noisette as I arrived today as something I that you indeed. wanted to... Uh, I did indeed. Hey, we've um, a, a, an interesting... And then an interesting couple preparations that go with that one mm. hazelnut honey how do you mm. make hazelnut honey um key points you want to talk about is yeah. uh, dry roasting making sure that you're getting your nuts in a pan and getting them all nice and warm to get the oils out and then adding in the honey and then just cooking that for a little bit you can add other spices in there as how well. much cooking do you warm up the honey yeah it's, it's essentially and you could let it sit and infuse for a little while as well yes. afterwards uh, strain and then strain it once it's finished yeah and so then you get warm. this beautiful Oh, God, yeah. it sounds like nougat. Well, you're getting it? the oils out and the fats that are coming through there, which um, it is incredibly rich. I mean, that mixed with some cold brew coffee, it's uh, it's absolutely delightful. And getting back to it in the whole raison d'etre, mm. the meaning of this book is that espresso martinis is some of the scariest drinks you can ever have. I mean, it's Well, like, you mix caffeine and liquor late at night and have too many of them. It's, two uh, teams of horses yeah. pulling in opposite <laughs> directions crazily. This is something where you get great flavours. That's right. And you can enjoy the evening and um, and also get to sleep when it's 1 o'clock in the and morning. That's important, isn't it? Well, for some. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some people say it's overrated. Yeah. Uh, the book is called All Day Cocktails. It is another one of the fine Hardy Grant, yes, it is, uh, publications. Sean and Nick. Sean Byrne, Nick Tazar. That's nice. Uh, what, 50 bucks? Uh, no, less than that. Less I'm than sure. that. 30, 40 maybe? Where's my book? I don't know. Let's have a look. I've one here. I'll have a recommended retail. 34 dollars That's bucks. pretty good. There See, you that's go. It's <laughs> a bargain camp. That is not bad. Uh, it's going to be available the 1st of August. Uh, look out for it in all good bookshops. And um, make yourself some drinks without falling over. Indeed. Sean, congratulations on all you've Thank been you. doing, mate. Great Always a pleasure. You. Come back soon. Will do. I'm sure I will be for book number three. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of Eat It for the Week. Yeah. Still here, Aaron? Yes, coming up next. And uh, next week, don't know. We'll find out what's on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're gonna... Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. All right, we're all out of here. Week. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.